Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 845 of the Juicebox podcast. It's been a minute since Jenny and I have done an Ask Scott and Jenny episode, but here we are back answering your questions. That's right, questions from the listeners, right to Jenny and to Scott, answered for you to the best of our ability. Today we'll speak about smart insulin, hydration, has Jenny ever smoked, and much more. Check it out. Stay with us. Enjoy. While you're listening, staying with us and enjoying, please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Now, if you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1, you know what I'm going to say. Go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey. It takes fewer than 10 minutes. It's completely HIPAA compliant, absolutely anonymous, easy to do. And once you've finished, you've helped with diabetes research. You may have even helped yourself. Like the T1D exchange might come back to you and be like, hey, are you interested in doing this? Right? And then if you are, sometimes they offer gift cards. Just go check it out. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored today by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You guys are always so generous about clicking on the Contour Next One link. I can only assume that you love it as much as I do. Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box. You owe it to yourself to have an accurate and easy to use meter. The contour next one is just that. Today's podcast is also sponsored by touched by type one. And guess what I did yesterday? I answered a save the date from touched by type one. See if I can find it here. It's February now, but I can find it. Save the date. It says, Hey, Scott, I hope this finds you well. We have begun planning our next Touch by Type 1 annual conference and would love to have you join us again in 2023. Our conference will be held on Saturday, September 16th. Well, that's a little something you could plan for. Check it out at touchedbytype1.org. Touch by Type 1 does way more than this event. You can check it all out at the website. But um, I'm just saying, if you can plan to come out, I'll be there making all kinds of talky talk. We'll have a great time. Yeah, I'm up for whatever. <laughs> Let's do you it. Know. It's the whatever. End of, so it's the end of the year. Almost. Almost. Well, for in my mind, it is because I'm making the podcast like way out in the future. Um, yes. And I just edited your How Jenny Eats episode, which came out really well. I, I thought of so many additional, like additional things that I would have really added to that. Like, like I, you know, they're just everything that you think in excess. Like I eat this and sometimes I eat this. And sometimes I, I gave you like this general idea. Like, I don't know. Don't be in a hurry. We can do another one. <laughs> <laughs> I I make a lot of episodes, so don't worry. Yes, we could come back around and do a part two. Fabulous. But like getting all that stuff together and everything. And, um, Good. Well, I'm um, glad it turned out well for what it did. was there. No, it, no it definitely did. It, in the end, I feel like they're less of a like a checklist and more of a vibe. And I thought you did that really well. Like, I think oh, the way you think about food came across and what you eat in general comes comes across. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it, it made an impact on me. The other day, I, I was um, 
in between something and I walked through the kitchen and there were cookies from Thanksgiving and I grabbed a clementine and I was like, (gasps) I said, I I think this was what Jenny would do. (laughs) So (laughs) good for you. Yay. And by the way, very good. This is the time of year for clementines. I don't know if people know that or not, but. It is yeah. absolutely actually um, growing up, my mom always had like more tangerines or oranges or something. And I always I asked her when I got old enough, I was like, you yeah, we have them more often this time of the year. And she's like, when we were little and my mom grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. right? So they didn't have a heck of a lot. But this time of the year, her dad would always go into town, <laughs> right? And like, get some tangerines. And they were like, the best treat my yeah. mom said at this time of the year. Yeah, they're so, just the, yeah. for some reason end of November, December, January. It must be where they where they're grown in the world. It must be the right timing for it, which is what I assume. But yeah, they're definitely better because in the middle of the year you get them and you're like, these are. They're not. My as- mom always called them punky, is how she said the rest of the year. They're not as juicy. The flavor is not what it's supposed to be, and you get the ones like half of your bag might be really like dry rather than that really big like burst of juice that you should get right they're like dry you know i was i i know we're not talking about what we're supposed to oh, get but okay. um but it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. But listen the people listening will decide if it's okay if i see them clicking <laughs> off i'll know this wasn't okay but i was in the um in the vegetable aisle the other day and there's this sign that's been there forever that i've I mean, I don't know how I haven't seen it before, but it, it's tattered. That's how I know how long it's been there. <laughs> all of these, all of these vegetables have been sprayed with a wax coating to extend freshness or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that happened." <laughs> mm. I did. Did you know that happened? <laughs> well, you can tell the. I mean, even. Even like oranges and that kind of stuff, you can tell when you peel it sometimes, the ones that have been coated, you can tell because it comes off on your hand. Apples as well are a common one that have that like, like you can feel it. You can almost rub it off Mm -hmm. um, because of the amount of time it goes between picking and actually getting to the supermarket and then getting home with you. They have to do something to keep it. Yeah, from- that's what occurred to me is that none of these things are grown here in New Jersey, I imagine. No. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure not. But at some point they were, right? Don't it- you have tangerine trees in New Jersey? No, no, stop it. You know what I mean. <laughs> well, you know, like when I grew up, it was it was the stuff that you could grow here was grown here. In the winter, there was less of it. And we got it shipped in from the south. And right. anything sweet and round and yellow or orange came from an island somewhere or Florida. And that, that's yeah. just how it was. So now I'm realizing that they might be shipping in bell peppers from Uruguay and covering them with wax so they don't go bad. Uh, I did not know that before. I also don't know where Uruguay is. <laughs> so for, <laughs> for clarity, it's just the name of a country I made. I pulled out of my butt right now. <laughs> anyway, um, Jenny, I'm going to go to our Ask Scott and Jenny list. Cool. Uh, of which is, um, it's oddly. Extensive. Extensive, yes. And um, and just scroll through a little bit, ask you a couple of questions that have been sent in by people, and uh, we will answer them. Hopefully. And uh, and move on. Well, the, 
good some clarity uh, hopefully in there, if it maybe. gets possible we'll be like i don't know the answer to this at all <laughs> can't help you there <laughs> um do, okay here you go this is from lisa do you know if an insulin that acts like endogenous insulin meaning is it quicker acting than current options is in the works so oh, that's a good question. Our pharma companies, I mean, Fiasp is here and Lumjev. Mm-hmm. Um, Anafreza. Anafreza, yeah. But are there more? I don't know the answer to that question at all. I know I can tell you that there are things in in that are being researched, yes. Where they are, I don't know. Um, I know years ago I attended JDRF used to have like these scientific um, sessions sessions where you could come as like people with diabetes um, and you could see what was in the works. Right. Mm -hmm. And this, gosh, this was like 12 years ago. Um, There was a company on the East coast that was working on something called smart insulin, smart insulin. From what I remember to the degree that this insulin would be taken once a day and it would have almost a almost like a thermostat if you will but but not relative to temperature relative to the glucose levels in your body so it would see when your glucose was going up and going to rise sort of above this sort of set point and it would turn itself on and then once your glucose was dropping and coming down into that set point it would essentially turn itself off and it worked on and off sort of all day long like that. Um, from what I remember, it was in like the, the animal based studies, Mm -hmm. but since that time I have literally heard nothing about it. So that's like, it's like research. It's like, we hear all these things and then there's no more news about it. Like, where did it go? Did it get like shuffled off to Mars or like, what happened to yeah, it? Exactly. There's the the most recent article I found online is from Diatribe and it's from June of 2022. Okay. Yeah. So not too long ago. Um oral it's a, it's an overview of smart insulin. The development of smart insulin options means designing an insulin that responds to glucose levels, okay? Uh mm-hmm. we got to know all that. Uh, Dr. Weiss, distinguished professor at Indiana University School of Medicine, explained the potential ways that glucose response insulin could work. Uh, though we are still years away from smart insulins making their way to clinical trials. Oh, okay. We're years away from clinical trials. Right. Which means, what, 15 years? Which 20, means we're, if it works. We're, we're nowhere near getting it into the human body to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the answer to the question is what we have right now is called rapid insulin. It's much more rapid than it used to be years ago when it was just regular insulin, but we're nowhere near smarter insulin that's more instantaneous, right? Like or reacts to gl- yeah, or, glucose levels. Right. Yeah. It's just not. Okay. Well, sorry, Lisa. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry to everybody. I that's actually it's not an uncommon question. I've I've gotten that a number of times, you know, mm-hmm. when are we going to have insulin that just works now and I don't have to wait and it does it faster and it finishes when it says it's going to be done working. And mm-hmm. I, we, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. No, uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> way to start off with a bummer. Uh, yes. <laughs> April, April wants to know about hydration. 
she Ooh. says she ta- she hears people talk about it, you know, like they see a bad pump site or something or, 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 you know, a blood sugar, excuse me, that's not moving. And people always come in and say, hey, are you hydrated? Because hydration is super important. We've talked about it on the podcast for a long time. What she wants to know is how long does that take to work? Like she's saying, you know, say I am actually dehydrated and that's the reason right? my insulin's not working well. Is it a glass of water and I'm on my way? Is it I have to rehydrate my body and it's hours? I guess it would depend on how. I would expect it's, a, I mean, an average of about an hour to rehydrate. I mean, a good way to determine hydration is really the color of your your urine or your pee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it should be very, very mild, like a light lemonade color, <laughs> if you will, right? <laughs> okay. It should not be dark. Now, there are also some supplements, um, B vitamins and whatnot. If you take them, they can also sort of discolor the color of your urine. So that's not necessarily a good time to check. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hydration is what we're 60% of our body is made up of water, right? So if that's the case, hydration also means that all of the nutrients in your system that flow through your blood and need to get into the cells, they need consistently moving bloodstream. Mm-hmm. If you are dehydrated, your body tries to pull water from other parts of your body to rehydrate and keep things moving. And so if you're not adding water back in and you're more prone to drinking things that are more of a right, like a diuretic that are making you pee it out, but you're not putting it back in, you're more likely to be dehydrated. So with less fluid in the body, especially from a standpoint of a CGM, CGMs work off of monitoring the glucose in your interstitial fluid. Here's something interesting. This is um, NIH. It's just a simple sentence. 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. That's a wow. That's, that's a statement from October of 2022. Why is the dehydration so common? This is from Mayo Clinic. Sometimes dehydration occurs for simple reasons, like you don't drink enough because you're sick or busy, or because you lack access to safe drinking water. So this is really just people just don't drink enough water. That's it. No. In fact, many people, you know, a good strategy we talk about even in just general weight management is if you feel like you're hungry, drink a glass of water first. Okay. Most often you, your body is giving you a signal that you're misinterpreting, right? Mm -hmm. You're actually not hungry. You're thirsty. So if you drink a big glass of water, wait another 15, 20 minutes, many people find that they're actually not hungry. Some early warning signs of dehydration include feeling thirsty and lightheaded, a dry mouth, tiredness, having dark colored, strong smelling urine, or passing urine less frequently than usual. What? Now I want to know how often I'm supposed to pee. How often you're... (laughs) So you're going to look up, how often should I go to the bathroom? Well, I mean, in general, six to eight glasses of water intake a day And if you're hydrated enough, you should be probably going to the bathroom every couple of hours at least, every two hours. Bladderandbowel.org, which I don't know. (laughs) It's the first one that came up. Um, A number of normal urinations per day between six and seven in a 24-hour period. Between four and ten times a day can also be normal if that person is healthy and happy with the number of times they visit. So if you're not peeing a lot. 
So, so then back to the person's question, I would think that rehydrating would have a lot to do with how dehydrated you are to begin with. True. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you're just mildly thirsty, drink a glass of water, that probably takes care of it. But knowing as well that um, mild, even moderate levels of dehydration can also increase your blood sugar levels by a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And I know you've said it before when we've talked about things like <laughs> just higher blood sugars, like you force Arden, drink some water, drink some water. And you can almost at some point, even without additional insulin, sometimes you can see a curve, yeah. right? As you get things moving, hydration, that helps your body pass the sugar out of your bloodstream and you can actually, you know, pee some of it out if your blood sugar is high enough to need to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, hydration. All right. I'm going to add a little more here. Uh... Mm. How much fluid does the average healthy adult living in a temperate climate need? The U.S. National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine determine that an adequate daily fluid intake is about 15 and a half cups or 3.7 liters of fluid a day for men, about 11 and a half or 2.7 for women. That's mm -hmm. um, Which means it goes right along with the recommendation of 68 glasses. Most people's glasses are about 12 to 16 ounces. Mm -hmm. So... That goes, it fits right in there. Is it the same for, not for children? Hold on, how much water should a child a drink? Child, look at you. Um, <laughs> to stay well hydrated, children ages one to three need approximately four cups a day. Uh, older kids, five cups, four to eight years old, seven to eight cups for older children. Okay. And, you know, I think an important piece to bring into that too is that may be be a baseline. This is just you in your normal day, right? Yeah. If you are active at all or you live someplace that is very hot, very humid, and you are active, it's very likely you need more than just the base of six to eight glasses a day. Mm -hmm. My um so. my, my daughter's home from college right now, which means all of her girlfriends are starting to flood back in the house. And one of the <laughs> girls is playing, oh God, I hope she never hears this. Because I'm not, which which is the one with the little stick, and field hockey, right? The little the stick with a little curve at the end. Jenny, is that field hockey? Field hockey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, she plays field hockey at college, um, and she's walking around with a jug of water all the time, and she's just constantly drinking. And I think back to when my son was in college playing baseball, and the boys would all carry around like a one gallon jug of. They were constantly drinking, right? And these are the healthiest people I know, college athletes. So I don't mean, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to grab a milk jug and fill it with water, but I, I'm motivated from this conversation to do better, even though to I do better. Yeah, yes. Because I'm thinking about like, how much do I drink a day? And does, and by the way, let me ask you this. Does it count if it's not water? Like, you know what I mean? Sure. You get some water from, again, it goes along with healthy eating, right? So you get some amount of fluid by eating fruits and vegetables because a good portion of them is made up of water. Right. Um, you know, if you have soup that's not terribly salty, sure, that's made in a broth that is part water, right? Um, you can get it by drinking non-caloric um, 
like sparkling waters, right? Something like that. You're getting hydration that way. If you like herbal teas or, you know, decaffeinated tea or something like that, you're getting hydration that way. So it doesn't have to be that you're drinking eight glasses of plain old no flavor water. Right. But this doesn't count if I'm having a Diet Coke or a Gatorade or like... The Gatorade would be hydration or it wouldn't be an electrolyte drink that they, you know, Gatorade, um, what's the other one? Powerade. Mm -hmm. Um, They give them to athletes, obviously. I mean, Gatorade was developed in Florida, if I remember correctly, for the Florida Gators. That makes sense. I don't know that that's true, but I believe you. And Yes. (laughs) But like, what about soda drinkers? Like, I, I... I don't drink a lot of soda, meaning that it's possible that a half a dozen times every two weeks I have a small glass of some diet soda. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm just not a soda yeah. drinker. Um, but it's not, I mean, I think we all are aware that soda's not good for us one way or the other. But am I hydrating when I'm drinking it? Yeah, you certainly are. Okay. I mean, there's a portion. I mean, it's not just like, I hesitate to say this because most soft drinks that are sugar in are like drinking liquid water but or liquid sugar but why is it liquid it's liquid because there's there's water there's fluid in it mm-hmm. which does provide you with some hydration right. despite the fact that the other stuff that's in it isn't good for you yeah. right, right. So. so is it a little like uh, i come up on a my home is burning and i i find a bucket and it it's half water and half gas and i'm like well I wonder what'll happen here if I just throw this on. <laughs> so you're getting you're getting hydrated, but you're also getting a lot of stuff you you don't need, don't need, and right. don't want. And correct. And some of some of these beverages too could certainly be more of a what's called a diuretic, right? Which just encourages you to actually go to the bathroom even more than you would normally go to the bathroom. Which means then you have to put back in what you. So, coffee. Do you drink coffee? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like coffee. Okay. I've never had a cup of coffee in my entire life. So I'm outside of my. <gasps> You've never had a cup of coffee? Never. I no. don't think I've, well, other than kids, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever met another adult. No, I just, my parents drank of- so much of it and I can smell it still. It was terrible. And I associate it with cigarettes too, because it's always like a coffee and a cigarette for my father. And like, I just not interested, but my point is, is is don't some things dehydrate you even though they're liquid? Like alcohol dehydrates you, right? Yeah, I mean, in many ca- – it's really the caffeinated effect, right, that is more of a diuretic, which is the reason that if you really want the complete hydration, you're going to do things that are not full of caffeine. So, you know, the typical dark cola-based sodas, regular coffee – um, again, have a tendency to have more of a sort of a mild diuretic effect. Okay. Because I had a, I, I recorded today before you, which ah. is, I feel like I'm <gasps> cheating on you when I say oh, it's such no, an odd thing. Oh, no. Someone but, else. No, I'm kidding. But I had a cup of tea and a glass of water with me. And I couldn't drink the tea because the tea was drying my mouth out. Huh. And I was like, was oh. It- Black tea, so it was a caffeinated yeah, tea. Yeah, it was. And so I, I had to get away from it while I was drinking. Anyway, um, I just Googled, why does coffee make you poop? So we can round out this conversation. Because <laughs> um, this is a 
integral mm. part of some people's lives, right? So coffee sends a signal to your stomach to release gastrin. This kicks off a wave of con- of contractions in your gut called pers. What the hell? Peristalsis. Thank you. It moves that that thing Jenny said moves food and liquid through the intestines. For some people, this leads to a trip to the bathroom in just a few minutes. Get mm. out of here! Seriously. Now there you go. I mean, next time I have to go, maybe I'm gonna. I don't know. But then you need some coffee. Yeah, I don't think I'm doing that. I, I really don't think I can. Uh, this one's a. Just make sure it's good coffee. Not you know. What? Well, what's good? Some people tell me Dunkin' Donuts is amazing. How do I know? I, I've good? heard the same thing. I, I mean, I can say that Dunkin' Donuts is, to me, it's okay coffee. I've grown very accustomed after having lived in D.C. I've grown very accustomed to like coffee houses that do their own roasting like in-house okay like i consider that good coffee just like uh, is coffee and cigars kind of in the same vein like i don't know maybe i don't know have you ever I smoked a cigar i have never smoked anything in my life anything let's anything. go through it cigarettes nope cigar nope crack cocaine nope <laughs> marijuana nope nothing i have never has anything past my lips now i've probably and i'm sure i've inhaled quite an amount of secondhand smoke mm-hmm. uh, in fact i'm quite certain in my freshman year in college my roommate who would smoke out the window not cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> i'm quite sure that i inhaled a fair portion of marijuana of whatever smoke. that is yes i'll tell but, you as i get older I just keep waiting for it to come get me, the secondhand smoke, because my dad, my son and I were talking about the other day, and he said, your dad smoked a lot. I said, my father would smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, three packs of unfiltered cigarettes every day. And I mean, he would open his eyes in the morning and light a cigarette. He'd have it in the bathroom with him. If he took a shower, he had it right till he got into the shower. If he was driving, if we, if you got to a, um, if you got to a restaurant and they didn't allow smoking, he sometimes couldn't make it to the meal. He'd have to go outside. Like it was wow. like really bad. That's yeah. Yeah. And he still, I know it was seventies by the way. So I know it takes, I know it takes a certain number of years to recoup i mean the body is a self-healing machine mm-hmm. right as long as you don't continue to batter it <laughs> well he was only he was only around me till i was 13 so okay maybe so you, maybe you've got a lot of healing that's taken place and your lungs are back to a base i also maybe. had a crappy job when i was a teenager so i don't know what i breathed oh. there but i anyway i just think about it all the time i'm like this is what's gonna happen i'm not gonna even drink a cup of coffee i'm gonna end up with lung cancer one day you know what i mean this is my life. Yeah. I know. This yeah. is what will happen. All right. We've gotten way off the hydration path. Anyway, drink water. <laughs> drink water. Yeah. It'll make Don't your insulin. Smoke. It'll make your insulin work better and it will make your CGM more accurate. Well, and I think you brought up a I mean, good point if I'm gonna plug for not doing something, the not smoking thing. Right. Yeah. There you go. Don't how much smoke. how much more dangerous is smoking to a person with diabetes? Like what are the added risks? Friends, there is nothing like the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. 
This is a world now where a lot of you have continuous glucose monitors, and you might think, well, I don't really need a meter, Scott. I've got a CGM. I've got a Libre. I've got a Dexcom. But there are still reasons and times when having an accurate meter makes a big difference in your care. You just don't want to be caught short. We all have a meter. We might as well make sure that meter is our best option. And you can learn more about the Contour Next One at my link, contournext.com forward slash juice box. The Contour Next One is easy to hold. It is easy to travel with. It is easy to read. It has a bright light for nighttime viewing. And the test strips offer second chance testing, which means you can touch the blood, not get enough, go back and get more without messing up the accuracy of your test or wasting a strip. And all of that might sound like, oh, well, what do I need, a lot of blood? No, no, a very small drop of blood. I'm just saying, if something happens, what if you touch the blood a little bit and sneezed and threw the meter? That could happen. You go pick it up, touch it back to the blood, ta-da, you still have an accurate test. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Please go check it out. That's actually a website full of great information there. You can actually buy the meter and the strips online if you want, and they may be maybe more affordable in cash than you're paying right now for another meter through your insurance. All this is for you to figure out at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Head over, support the sponsors, click on the links. Uh, thank you very much. And don't forget about Touch by Type 1. They're also there on the Facebook machine and Instagram. Find them, follow them, be enveloped in their wonderfulness. Links to Contour and Touch by Type 1 are in the show notes of your podcast player, and at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't remember the uh, the typey type, you know what I mean? Like touchbytype1.org, you might forget that. Or contournext.com forward slash juicebox. If you forget that, you could click on it and you're still helping the podcast. I will see you uh, back in the conversation in just a second. Well, many of the things have relative relevance to what smoking does to the blood vessels, which we know that we already are at risk with increased potential for damage to our vessels and to our nerves and how our body reacts to stress. Um, smoking creates inflammation in the body. And those are all the things that we're trying to bring down by having optimized blood sugar levels. So it's like a you're doing all these wonderful things to manage your diabetes, but if you're also smoking that's kind of putting some of those, it, it's counterproductive. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Also, uh, you have an autoimmune disease, so inflammation is already coming for you. So yes, no reason to give yes. it a, a helping hand, I don't think. Yeah. This one is aimed towards me, but doesn't mean we can't talk about it together. Pippa asks, oh, Pippa. Oh, that's nice. I'd love to hear more about how we moved Arden from relying on a school nurse to directly communicating mm. to me. How does she know when to pre-bolus? Does she have alarms on? Does she rely on her alerts? Uh, how does she handle texts in class? Does she wear a watch? What's your process if she misses a text? How old was she when she was able to treat her own lows? What's your field trip protocol? Jeez, Pippa. All right, hold on. Um, does she carry an extra pod with her? Let's go through it one at a time. Cool. Um, well, I can tell you that, you know, the story I've, you probably know if you've listened long enough is that I realized in the summer between Arden's second and third grade year that I could manage Arden remotely. 
which had mm-hmm. everything to do with me and nothing really to do with her. She was capable of like receiving a text and carrying out a thing in a way that mm-hmm. I could trust. So I don't think the age is important, Arden's age. I think it's Arden's ability. Because if you're translating it to your kid, you know, kids yeah, are going to be you able have to, to analyze what your kid can do. 100%. So one day I just was lazy. I didn't feel like walking upstairs. She was upstairs and I texted her to Bolus and she did it. And I was like, ooh, like why? Like I can imagine diabetes in my head now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like a, one of those movies like Beautiful Mind or something. I, I have no idea which ones I'm thinking sure. of. I can see her blood sugar in my head. I know how much insulin's happening. If I know what she ate, I can reasonably manage her without being with her. And, and you have the benefit of looking at a CGM as well. You're not guessing, well, her blood sugar was 86, 15 minutes ago when she was down here. I don't know if it was going up or down. You've got a CGM to be able to see where is she. I can easily text her and tell her because you also know the context that's going into the trend. Yes. But back then, no. Like back then, oh. she didn't have a CGM when she was that old. Not yet. Think. It was just, okay. just coming. Or it couldn't share by then. Okay. So we might she have didn't still have be- a follow. We might have still been in the G4. Is that the egg? Yeah. The egg receiver? So uh, No, the egg receiver was... Um, seven? It was the seven, yeah, the seven system. And then it went to the G4, and then it went to the G5, and then it went to the G6. What a naming system, Dexcom. Way to go. Yes. And so <laughs> – Fancy. <laughs> I think back then they were probably just like, here it is. Um, but but anyway, I realized I could do it without being with her and that the mm-hmm. only tripping point for me was my own fear because I kept thinking, like, why won't I do this? So we just started practicing in the house. I would just text her diabetes – even if she was just in the other room, I was really practicing for myself. And then so she went back to school in third grade and stopped going to the nurse because of that. So she could test, she could send me her blood sugars. um, She could look at a CGM once it was available, tell me the number that was on it. I just kind of bounced it all in my head. Um, Mm -hmm. Did that make her independent? No. I think another question within that, which is sort of, implied in a way here as well might be how did you navigate that with the school nurse and the system right how did you navigate saying we've got this these are the hit points that you have to know being the school nurse and if needed you would step in but otherwise please hands off because we have this yeah i i my go-to was usually just I just assumed they didn't really want to be doing it and that they uh, didn't really want to be responsible, right? Like if you gave a school the choice between being responsible for somebody's blood sugar or not, I figured they would rather not. So what I told them was, it's on me. Like if something goes wrong, I did it. You're not at fault. And they were like, cool. And that was the end of it. So um, we did re, um, kind of massage what what my expectations were from them from there. And we mm-hmm. adjusted her 504 plan for it. Um, but really I have to, I, it sounds cynical, but the idea that they weren't on the hook anymore, I think was attractive to them. Mm-hmm. It's just always kind of how it felt to me. I wonder, you know, having worked with so many families, I have heard probably a good 50 different ways that school systems will or will not let things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not they prefer to be doing it, some school systems really seem to have this 
unless you don't tell them your child has diabetes at all, they have a plan that has to be followed. And much of it relies on the kid having to check in with somebody at some points in the day. So, and it's, it's hard because many people probably want to do what you're doing. Yeah. I would, (laughs) I would say that, um, I am not, I am not wildly different in my personal life than I am on this podcast, but I am more direct and Northeast than maybe some people are. And I don't, could be. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not pushy. I'm direct. I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And then it's not open for conversation. Discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and not in a mean way, but just I don't leave. I think that it, it's um, I kind of think of everything as a negotiation. And if you stop and think about how to negotiate anything, the last person who speaks wins. And so if you don't set the conversation up, where the person across from you can respond, you sort of win by default. I don't know. That's a little thing, you know, I don't know. That might be outside of of what people are comfortable with, but you have to be comfortable in the silence. You have to be comfortable saying, this is what's going to happen. It's not open for discussion and be able to sit there without feeling, because as soon as you feel the thing in your chest, it's when you give something up. You right. go, oh, okay. And then you you know, you get nervous and you give something away and then it goes back and forth and before you know it, you walk out and you don't have anything. So anyway. Right. Um yeah. going through her, how did Arden know when to pre bowls? Well, that was easy. I set a lot of timers on my phone. Mm-hmm. And um in the beginning, Arden had those timers on her phone as well. So her timer would go off and then we would text each other. Um, and I'd say, what's your blood sugar? If she had to test, she'd test. If she had to tell me what was on her CGM, she would tell me. Um, and then I would just, you know, say, okay, let's bolus this much right now. Arden was using Omnipod and, you know, we, we didn't let Arden go to school on MDI. So she's been using Omnipod since she was like four, four and Mm -hmm. a half, like right before she went. So that's how we did pre-bolusing. Uh, it it answers the question about where there are alarms. How does she handle texts in class? Arden handles text in class the same way you hear me say, like what I just said, basically, this is a necessity for her. We're not embarrassed by it. She wasn't, you know, she, she didn't try to hide it. I mean, she doesn't love, like she was still a kid, you know, like she wasn't looking to be texting with her dad and stuff like that. So we also kept it to a real bare minimum. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, that was that she just never want to watch, um, if she misses, a, if she missed the text and it was, what's the process if she misses the text? Depended on the context. So if it was important or emergent, then I would go from texting to a phone call. And if the phone call didn't work, then I sent a find your iPhone um, mm-hmm. signal, which is very difficult to ignore. Um, if that would have cascaded through, then I would have called the nurse's office. Sure. That would have been the, the, the last thing. Um, how old was she when she was able to treat her own lows? That was your husband. He just walked in, saw you were doing something, and walked right back out again. <laughs> he got this look on his face like, oh, no, not now. And then he left. Um, um, I don't know the answer to that question. How old was Arden What's- when she was able to treat her own lows? I mean, I guess she was in third grade because – I would well, I wonder her. if it's a little bit more depth of the question in terms of most kids can, when told, treat your low blood sugar by someone, mm-hmm. they do it without 
question, well, many times without question, right? They'll just eat or do what they need to do because they've been told. But I think the question is really asking, would she treat her lows by acknowledging an alarm that went off on her CGM without you having to follow up and text? Or if you did text her, she said, I've already got it. Yeah. Oh, so if that's the question, when did I stop wondering if this is not happening? Like, is she not handling this? I mean, I don't know. I still wonder sometimes. You still wonder, right? <laughs> That's a hard thing to shake, you know? Um, right. But, I'd but say- I wonder, you know, if she was playing with a friend and you saw her blood sugar was where it shouldn't have been or it was dropping fast or whatever, what age would she have already taken action on that and said, Dad, I'm fine. I, I've got this. Yeah, I think the answer is... I don't think the answer is that clear. I, I mm. as far as timelines go, I think that I've always, I mean, since we've had a CGM that shared like Dexcom does now, I'm fairly aware of Arden's blood sugar all the time. Sure, you know, like she's in college, and I'm still fairly aware of her blood sugar. You know, most right. of the time. Well, you've got follow, and you've got all the things to be able to watch. I mean, most parents do. So. I have a lot of things on my computer. I don't even know what this is called, but I have. I'm pulling it up to see if I can figure out what it's called. Oh, actually, it's just I have SugarMate on my desktop. Oh, yeah, Sugar. I was gonna say SugarMate. Yeah. But. So up on my um, I have a Mac computer, but up on the on the bar, Arden's mm-hmm. blood sugar is there, along with um, the Trendero. Yeah, the, the yeah everything that it needs. So that's there when I'm working. Um, but the question about when does she? So I think when she was twelve, like 10, 11, 12, 13. If she felt low, she would have done something. Um, okay. The alarms, I'll tell you, Arden and alarms, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell. Did, if she, she, did she ignore them more? Well, how about the other night? Her CGM just shuts off after she's home. And I'm like, what do you, how did you, how did this happen? I'm like, it tells you all day. It's shutting right. off in six hours. It's shutting off. And she goes, it never said that. I was like, you're out of your mind. Of course it did. Uh, right. No, it didn't. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it did. And so, you know, I don't Like, know. I promise. That's yeah. how it's set up to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, she swipes things away so quickly. She doesn't even know what they are. What I will tell you is that my confidence level is at an all-time high as she was learning to drive. So ah. when she got her, um, when she got her permit, we had a really serious conversation about that. And since then, so I guess 16 and a half, right in there, I don't think about it as much anymore. Like, I know she's paying attention to it. Does she push her high blood sugars down as much as I wish she would if I don't bother her? Not always. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that. Um, what the, let me just get this last little question out here. Yeah. What, what was our field trip protocol? I went on the field trips. Um, does Arden carry an extra pod with her? No. Um, the way we handle extra stuff is at school, there was supplies, but not a pump, but, but not insulin. And then if she needed a pod change, I would go do it. It just didn't happen that often. And we didn't mm-hmm. like leaving insulin at the school, but I guess we could have, she easily could have changed it on her own. And um, now you also, though, it, just for context, you also lived 
pretty close to her school, so yeah. it was convenient, yes. right? It's a, it's a couple of blocks from my house, so it's right. it, if if she if it was farther, then I would have put insulin in the school. But I always was trying to give Arden the feeling that 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 the nurse's office was not a place that she belonged. I don't, I don't right. know if that makes sense or not, but like I never wanted her to feel like, oh, I have diabetes, so I'm one of these kids who's always in the nurse's office. Like I tried not to give her that feeling. Um, sure. Like, in regular life. There's like a distance in my head. If we go to the mall and it's 20 minutes away, Arden doesn't carry supplies with her. If her pod blows up, we'll drive home. Once right. the drive becomes irritatingly long, you know, you go into somebody's house, it's 45 minutes away, then we bring stuff with us. So I don't know, that's what we Well, do. and in context there, you know, you're going to the mall. Who cares if you have to drive 20 minutes back home? You're going over by a friend or something that's more of a lengthy social kind of setting. Mm -hmm. Bringing it along is in, in I guess, your best interest because otherwise you're going to ruin the event. that event, yes. right? Not not for the other people, but for yourself. And why, right? I yes. mean, just have a to-go bag. Just grab it when you go out the door and just take it along. <laughs> and now that she's getting older and I'm not always with her, college, now there are times when she goes somewhere, she takes stuff with her because for that same reason, because there's not a person who's just like, oh, well, I'll bring it to you, you, right. you know, and that, right. that, that's been pretty important. Or it's a bus ride across town in order to get back to where she needs to get back to, to get her stuff. And then a class might be missed in the interim there. And yeah. that's not purposeful either. No, so. no, it definitely has a lot to do with her age and, and the amount of people who are around her to help her. Um, oh, cool. Cool. Let's see if we can find another one here. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Melina, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, does a blood transfusion impact your blood sugar? Oh, that's a really good question. I think we're going um, to I know up. I can answer a question that often comes up outside of this one is, can people with type 1 donate blood? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, so, but blood transfusion, that is... Well, That's an interesting question. Well, so What's your what what answer did you find? I, I'm looking right now because my idea is it must. Right? If my blood sugar was 200 and you infused me with some blood that sugar was at 80, wouldn't my blood sugar go down? But would it go down that much? Does a blood transfusion Well, this one hmm. lower or, or change, I guess, impact? I mean, my guess is it's not enough for it to matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a um, correlation oh. between blood transfusion and blood glucose. Yeah, blood transfusions of banked blood products are blamed as one of the causes of hyperglycemia because they are stored in a Jesus. in a glucose solution, probably. Uh huh. In an or they have glucose added to them within the well, other additives. I mean, I could try to say these words: anticoagulant, citrate, phosphate, dextrose. Adenine? Adenine. Adenine. Yeah, good job. Did I get through that a little bit? So is the answer, it looks like, yes, it could make your blood sugar lower. It looks like it could make it higher. Oh, hot, wait. Yeah. Conclusion, we concluded that blood transfusions does not cause significant changes in blood glucose levels in this study. Hmm. That's from NIH. And the question was, does sugar level increase after blood transfusion? But not a lot. Yeah. 
Does blood hmm. transfusion affect your A1C? The effect of blood transfusion on A1C levels might be summarized as follows. In patients with pre-transfusion A1C levels of over 7, A1C tends to fall. A1C, um, when your A1C is under 7, it rises minimally or not at all. I mean, it sounds like it has an impact, but right. not, not a great one. And if it does, it might be on the lower side. I don't know. That's a lot of information that doesn't look like it's studied that often either. No. Because here's another one. The dextrose and banked blood products does not seem to affect. So here's the answer. All the answers you can think of, somebody says, are happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can. No, it can't. Yes, yeah. by just a little bit. So in general, <laughs> I would draw out of this that it could have a minimal effect, but minimal is the important piece there that you're not going to have this exorbitant rise or drop in mm-hmm. blood sugar because of a transfusion. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, that would be okay. That was interesting. Uh, here's one looping. Oh, God, we're up on time. Are you okay? I have five minutes. All right, one more. Looping, Helen asks, what are the settings that most often need changing when starting to loop and more or less aggressive? Okay, so this is. I mean, I don't know about when you're starting. Like, I don't think there's an answer to that question, right? You got to get your settings right. And then once they're right, they're right. But I'm going to go from the pro- from the perspective of once you have good settings, what do we touch most frequently? Because Arden's a girl and she has fluctuations from hormones. I would say that most frequently we touch insulin sensitivity and basal. Mm-hmm. Those are mine. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think, as you said, initially starting with settings that are optimized before enabling any algorithm-driven system, including loop, mm-hmm. um, gives a good base for the algorithm to then work for you. And then once you have been using your current settings and you use loop or with loop, you probably need a good week or two to compare to the previous two weeks Mm -hmm. of CGM data and see what looks a little bit different, right? Most common, I would say, honestly, most common is ISF or the sensitivity factor, the correction factor, Mm -hmm. um, which honestly gets under-adjusted in manual or conventional pumping. Oftentimes the correction factor, it's like this poor little like in the middle of nowhere, I'm not going to consider it factor and it doesn't get get adjusted where it probably needs to. Much more heavy, we adjust the basal and we might look at the insulin to carb ratios, but uh, your correction factor, it's not even talked about. I've even talked to many people who are like, I don't even know what this does. Like, what's the purpose of this setting in my pump, right? Um, but can, when you loop, yeah, it heavily relies on how sensitive your body is to the insulin that you have present mm-hmm. so that it can readjust its predicted glucose and, and the outcome from everything that it knows about what it's given you so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I could make it, I don't know if I, how right I'd be, but I could make an argument that your sensitivity might change meal to meal 
can be, you know, if you're varying greatly on the kinds of food you're eating, if you went from a, a salad today to, uh, you know, chicken wings and fries tomorrow, I, I can see where a heavier or more aggressive sensitivity would help the French fries. Um, and, and it's just, it's a weird but thing. But maybe too would... aggressive when you eat the salad and, or and, eat the broccoli, oh, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the more true image of physiologic sensitivity would really be eating clean, not terribly high fat, you know, eat a nice salad mm -hmm. with, you know, maybe a little bit of like salad dressing on top of it or something and get an idea of how, if you did get a high blood sugar, how is loop working to help you with that rise? Does it coast you back down to your target? Right. Do you settle out there? Right. Um, and if not, then looking at another meal that did work out one time of day and the next day you had the chicken wings and the French fries and it doesn't look like it's working at all. And you're beating it down with extra like mm -hmm. fake entries. That's probably not really relative to your setting being wrong. Right. It's relative to loop working against something that's so resistant. Yeah. No, yeah. That's the, that's the mind space you have to put yourself in. Like your settings are great. If you're not, you know, for, general right. days if you're not overtaxing suddenly when you overtax with a a, a tough meal the settings aren't going to work for it but we can't think about that way because people can't be changing their settings constantly so that's when you have to start saying okay i see that this uh food falls into a different glycemic like load or index scenario and it's just going to need more insulin than on a regular day when i'm not eating something so difficult uh, correct that's where the that's where the understanding comes in. You don't have to move right. the settings. This person's talking about what settings move. I mean, around, like I said, around hormonal stuff. I like Arden's mm -hmm. basil. It, I mean, I try to keep Arden's basil at a place where I don't see the algorithm having to constantly take it away or constantly add more. Right. You know, right. It, where it, where the basil seems to be working and in the moments when it doesn't work, the adjustments that the loop has available to it are such that it can stop spikes and lows. That mm -hmm. makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jenny. I appreciate you doing this with me today. Always. Thank absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank I you. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. A huge thanks to all of you for sending in these questions. And of course, to Jenny. You can find Jenny at integrateddiabetes.com if you would like to hire her. She does this for a living. I also want to thank... And I'd also like to thank the Contour Next One blood glucose meter and remind you to go learn more about it at contournext.com forward slash juice box. And of course, touchbytype1.org, find their website and check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget to go find the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, always free. 34,000 members and counting. If you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, please share it with someone else who you think might also enjoy it.